Good morning. It is good to see everyone. You know, one of the great things about kids is they um, don't have much of a filter. They'll tell you what they're thinking. And uh, the last time I spoke, which has been quite a while ago, but the last time I spoke, one of our young folks came up to me afterwards and said, Mr. Randy, I really like it when you, when you speak. I said, well, thank you. He said, yeah, I never know what you're going to say. <laughs> I could have added, I don't usually know what I'm going to say either. So. Uh, so anyway, it is good to see everyone. Little boy is riding along with his dad in the car, and, uh, and, and he said, Dad, I've got a question for you. This Internet thing, you know, it's all over, and people can see the same thing, and, you know, there's so many things on it. How does that work? Dad said, I, I, I don't know. Well, boy said, well, I've got another question. Um, you know, this, this whole uh, self-driving cars, how, you know, how do they not run into each other? And how do they know where to go? And Dad said, I don't know. He said, well, I've got another question. They, you know, these 3D printers, you know, they take an image and then they print it. And how in the world does that work? Dad said, I don't know that either. Well, boy said, well, thanks for trying. Dad's, dad's, dad, dad, dad said, well, son, how are you going to learn anything if you don't ask questions? <laughs> One of those delayed response. No matter who you put up here, the jokes don't get any better. Anyway, we've all got questions, don't we? Some of them have easy answers. Some of them have more difficult answers. I want to ask you a question. Don't raise your hand, but if, if, if you did, I think this would be a pretty easy question. Who wants to have a better relationship with God? Who wants to do a better job in serving God? I think almost all of us would raise our hand. Am I right? My second question is the tough one. Why don't we do a better job serving, job serving God? Why don't we, you know, some of us have been quiet Christians for decades. Why, why aren't we better at it than we are? I don't know all the reasons for it. But I think this is, this might be one of the reasons here is that so much of Christianity is, is, is counterintuitive. So much of what Christ talks about doesn't initially make sense to us. I'll give you an example. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17 says, But the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Paul understood that there, there, was a, there, there was a conflict here. There was a difference in, in what, he's, what, he's, what he's asking here. Here are some examples. There are, there are many of them. You can think of some more than this. But Mark chapter 8, uh, verse 35 says, Whoever wants to save his life is good, will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. How does that work? You lose your life and 
you, then you save your life. Or Matthew chapter 23, verses 11 and 12, the greatest among you will be your servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The greatest is going to be a servant, and the person that doesn't exalt themselves is going to be exalted. How, do, how does that all work? Well, again, Paul has an answer for this. And I think as Christians we understand this. But this is, this is something that I think we need to continue to reflect on. He says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. In other words, if you're not a Jesus person, if you're not a follower of Christ, so much of what he says just isn't going to make a bit of sense to you. It's, it's, it's counterintuitive to our human nature. Am I correct? It just doesn't follow what we, what we, what we believe. The world would call it foolishness. Now, so that's, that's one thing I want to set up for what we're going to be talking about. The second thing is this. As Christians, would you agree that we are expected to grow in our faith and in our Christian maturity? And this is what, uh, this is what the writer of Hebrews says. You have much to say about this. It's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by the time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. The writer is saying, as Christians, we need to grow. If we are not, you know, one thing I've noticed about new parents with, 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 with small children, they obsess about physical growth, don't they? Everyone that I have ever talked to can tell you, well, my child is in the 70th percentile in height, and they're in the 80th percentile in weight, and I'm a little bit worried about them, and we're trying to, you know, they obsess about this because they understand that physical growth is necessary. If we're not growing, there's something, something wrong. Writer of Hebrews says exactly the same thing. As Christians, if we are not growing, there's something wrong. So, here's another counterintuitive point to make. Matthew chapter 6, Paul, or, uh, Christ says, do not, worry about it. uh, do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows what you need them. But seek first his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This is a very counterintuitive point, isn't it? Stuff is going to be given to us if we don't worry about it. Today, I really want to talk about the advantages to the Christian of living a generous life and how it is necessary to grow into this. We're not born into it. It is necessary to grow into it. So, 
there's this first level, I think, and this is just my opinion. You can, you can have your own opinion. But let's start with the real basics of generous living. The first thing we might say is, I'm going to do it because it's a command. I'm, I'm supposed to do it. Um, 1 Corinthians, the first day of the week. Each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will be made to. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse, verse 7. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, uh, for God loves a cheerful giver. We've heard these you know, passages often during the Lord's Supper. The first level of giving, I believe, we, we do it because... We're commanded to do it. it, it God, God says it you know, you know, in uncertain terms. If that's as far as we get, though, I don't believe we're growing in this generous life that we all want. So there's a second level. I give intentionally, and this is sort of like, you know, one through school or something like this. There's a second level that says I give intentionally because I'm afraid not to. And in Malachi chapter 1, verses 12, But you profane it by saying the Lord's table is defiled and its food is contemptible. You say, what a burden. You sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, lame, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, said the Lord? Cursed is the cheat. Who, is an acceptable, who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a, glimmer, a blemished animal to the Lord. For I'm a great king, says the Lord Almighty. My name is to be feared among the nations. A reason, sort of this second level of giving, is I'm afraid not to. I'm afraid of, of God's punishment if I don't. Second Corinthians, Paul says, remember this. Whoever, spares so, uh, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. So this second level is saying, okay, I, I understand that. I, I, I want to I get more, so I'm going to give more. There's a third level, I think. I give intentionally because I don't want to miss out on the blessings that come from it. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Again, the Lord says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured in your lap, for the measure you use will be measured to you. So this third level is a little selfish. I understand if I give more, I'm going to get more. Now, there is something that maybe you've noticed about these first three levels. They're kind of inward, aren't they? They're a little bit selfish. It's all about me. And if that's as far as we get, I think we miss out on the joy of generosity uh, that God has promised to us. We're still in the milk stage instead of the, the eating meat stage. So, let's talk about this fourth level of generosity. 
I give intentionally because the mission of the Bay Area Church of Christ depends on it, or, or the church that, that you're a member of depends on it. I'm doing it because I understand that I am a vital member of this church, and giving of my time, my efforts, my money is something that is vital if we are going to be a successful, as successful uh, as, as we want to be. I want to be a part of this. Now, this is where I sneak in the budget presentation. <laughs> now, if you, some of you have been members here for a while. We used to have a whole time we'd get together on Sunday night and do this. And the reason we quit doing it was everybody hated it. And they said, why do we have to come here and talk about all this boring financial stuff? So this is two slides. This is the best I can do. Here's our budget for 2018. And if you want more detail, uh, but let me, tell, let me tell you a little bit about what these categories are real quickly. The first one is just maintenance. I, I just called it maintenance. I put everything in here that's just keeping things going. It's the, the TECO and the phone bill and the cleaning and the, just, just what it takes to keep the doors open. So that's the budget for this year. The second one here is our programs. And that's the teen budget and the uh, children's ministry and ladies' ministry and, that, and that, that kind of thing. It's just the things that, that keep uh, just the programs that we have. Uh, the, 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 the next one here, and this will be the, the, the largest one, obviously, is our staff budget. And that's everything. That's the whole salary, benefits, uh, everything that goes into that. Um, and then the total here is uh, a little over $650,000, and that amounts to $12,500 per week contribution. So you look at the bulletin every week, you can see whether we're, whether we're hitting that or not. You advance that. There you go. So, this is just another way of looking at it. And you see that the biggest chunk of the budget, obviously, is the staff, and that's, that's always the case. Um, and then another big chunk is the, um, the, the maintenance, and that makes up about 85 cents of every dollar that, that is contributed, those, those two things. The other two, about 15%, are our programs and our benevolence uh, missions and, and, and that kind of thing. So if we can increase our giving as a, as a congregation, obviously we can do more in these, in these benevolence and missions, which is exactly uh, what we want to do. In other words, there's about 80, 85 cents of every dollar that there's just not much we can do about um, as, as we go forward. Additionally, we have purchased, we had some special contributions, and we have purchased some property uh, just south of the parking lot across the road. Uh, there's two-thirds of an acre there that, um, that we've been, had our eye on for a while, and this will be for future expansion. So, you know, if you're a member here, you know we've been trying to uh, look at property for, for the future um, over the last 20 years, I guess. So... Anyway, that's, that's the budget presentation. Hooray, we're through. 
So, what I really want to talk about in the time we have left is this fifth level of giving. I give intentionally because my own heart and those that I love is at stake. I understand it's not my money. We are stewards. We have been given something to look after. I understand that I'm an example to my spouse, my children, my grandchildren, and everybody else that I come in contact with is looking at how I react in terms of of being generous. And then the last one here, the last one here is that it changes lives. It makes a difference to people. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verses one and one through seven. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, they overflowed their joy, overflowing joy, and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. They exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also a completion of this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Paul says, if you've got it all going for you, if you're doing a great job with everything else, make sure that we excel in this grace of giving. Well, I heard a long time ago that I'd rather see a good sermon than hear a good sermon. So I reached out to several members and asked them to give me examples that they have seen in their life of this generous living. And I got a lot back. If I didn't get it, if I didn't email you, it was either because your email bounced back or I was I had enough by the time I got that far down the alphabet. Um, so, but I do appreciate the people that uh, that did respond back to me. But I just want to give you some examples, and I'd ask for their permission to to use their names here. Uh, but Melanie Rivenbark talked about during the son, the birth of her son uh, Andrew, how much help that that church friends were to her. Uh, Faye Brown talked about the the young lady that was addicted to drugs and gave up her baby um, as an act of love because she knew that she couldn't uh, take care of it. Daryl Brown talked about an unknown person paying their bill at a restaurant. Uh, talked about sheriff's deputies that found out about a family that wasn't going to have a Christmas, and so they they, they um, made sure that that happened. Uh, IT Antigua uh, talked about a neighbor helping him with his lawn when he didn't uh, have a lawnmower. Uh, Bridget Creation talked about, several people talked about church showers and, 
and meals after birth of children. Uh, Jenya Johnson uh, mentioned a, a stranger donating $100 at a Siwa uh, bar uh, barbecue. Uh, Mike Fanning talked about when they were first married, they were in the home of an older couple who kept a list of new members on their refrigerator to remember to, to invite them to dinner. This is where they learned about the importance of hospitality. That's that generous giving that we're talking about. Uh, Daryl Berry talked about a father that locate, relocated his, his grandchildren here that were in a bad situation um, to take care of them. Uh, Dave Vaughn talked about uh, people who stay after functions and clean the building uh, and put things away, and, and that, is, that is an act of, of love. Um, Beulah, McHale, talked about a situation when they have been in financial difficulties. People have helped with bills. She said, God is so good to me, us, by surrounding us with loving, forgiving, and generous Christians. Ron Schwinn mentioned getting about 100 cards when he had cancer um, and uh, financial help. Uh, Tease Stutzman, I, I better get this one right, uh, talked about when she was seven years old. A, a family found her somehow, her parents were not Christians, found her, made sure that she got to uh, church three times a week coming across town uh, to make sure that that happened. Uh, Dash Begley said, generosity from cradle to college, baby showers, meals after births, babysitting, help with college, help with business, ladies volunteering to help at ladies uh, retreats, etc. Uh, Keith Stefanko mentioned a, a brother who paid for his way to visit a brother out of state, who uh, a couple that was having marital problems. And he ends saying, one incredibly kind act of a brother set many wheels in motion spiritually for both of us. So... Mary Chadwick talked about um, when they first moved to Tampa that they, they, her husband was out of work, he had been hurt on the job, um, they, were, they were in a, a very dire financial situation, said the church showed up with six or seven pickup loads of furniture and clothes and food uh, that got them on their, on their feet. Um, she closed by saying, I've always known God would see to my every need, but his outpouring of generosity by these wonderful Christians still brings joyous tears to my eyes. I'm still overwhelmed. Needless to say, they, remind my, they remain my friends for life, and many of them have gone on to their reward, and I know they will greet me on the other side of life as they did here so long ago. And uh, Kara Atkinson talked about um, the, during the birth of, of uh, one of their children uh, being in the hospital and, and people at uh, church um, taking care of her. These are a couple, they're, they're pretty short, but I wanted to read these because these are, these are pretty neat. Uh, Gary Richardson said, the most generous person I know is my wife. Over the years, I've seen her fill the gap for folks we hardly knew. She is keen on listening for opportunities to meet a, the need of another person. We can be engaged in conversation with someone, and the next thing you know, she fulfills a need that I have been oblivious to. I can't tell you how many times I've received credit for some gesture of generosity when, in fact, it was my wife, which I would echo. That's happened to me many times. Uh, I've learned so much for her. 
from her about getting outside of self, um, which is, which is kind of neat. Geo, uh, and I want you to, I want you to listen to this because this is, this, this is, this is a good one too. They're all good. Gio uh, Ruiz said, when I first got to San Antonio, I knew no one there. I was visiting churches for about six weeks, and I finally decided on MacArthur Park, a church there in San Antonio, because of the generosity of a brother. To me, he was generous because he gave me his attention on that first day I was there. I walked into the church building for Sunday morning worship and was greeted by greeters. He happened to be there and invited me to his class. We sat together. After class, he invited me to sit with him in the worship service. After worship service, he invited me to go out to eat with him and his group. He looked after me, made me feel welcome that entire morning. I thought back to the other churches I visited. Not one uh, person there had made me feel uh, like this one person had. Yet those other churches had greeters. So did uh, MacArthur Park. They all did their jobs. But this guy went beyond what was required and, ex and expected. Um, he says, this person wasn't just generous with his time, concern, and finances uh, with me, but he was like that with everyone. I look back at this servant example, and I'm glad and thankful that God brought him into my life. Dana Reed, who we, we know has gone through uh, some, some, some real difficulty, uh, talks about uh, during an unexpected family crisis, the Bay Area Church of Christ and members showed up and, and, and still show up with much love and care and generosity for a family by cooking meals, assistance financially, babysitting, house cleaning, repairs, and so much more. Um, she says, we can say thanks a thousand times and it wouldn't be enough. We love Bay Area Church of Christ and all its beautiful members. Jimmy DeBose talks about uh, being out of work uh, several decades ago, being laid off, and he and Renee having to make a decision as to whether they were going to cut their financial contribution to the church and decided that they weren't going to do that and struggled financially for a little while, but then he got the job he wanted, she got the job she wanted, and and uh, and and what a blessing and example to them that was. And then the last story I want to read to you is one that um, that um, I think is 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 very insightful. And this was from Angela Steed. Uh, and she talked about Travis and she coming up with this. But she said, nearly 11 years ago, we were relocating to the Tampa area. We scheduled movers to load our furniture from our house to Virginia to our new home in Florida when we received news of an unexpected and tragic death in our family. The funeral proceedings were scheduled the very next day our movers were arriving. Many members from church in Virginia went to our home to finish our packing help load our belongings so we could attend the funeral of our family member out of state. They also cut our grass, helped us maintain the home until it closed while we could not be there. Churches from other areas were attended. Uh, we attended in the past, sent us money to help pay travel expenses to attend the funeral. And this is what I want you to really pay attention to. We had never experienced a time in our lives of being so utterly heartbroken from the death and so in need of help from others. 
the outpouring of love and generosity we received during that time humbles us still that I am in tears now recounting this time from so long ago. No matter how many acts of service we try to perform to pay it forward, we will never be able to repay the kindness, love, and service that was shown to us. This has taught our family what it is like to be grateful. This level of giving, I'm doing it because this is the right thing to do. I'm doing it because of what Christ did for me. To me, that's when giving gets to be fun. That's, that's, that's what we're after. You know, God has given us a challenge. And and it's 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 pretty straightforward. I mean, it's it's a it's kind of a neat challenge. Malachi, and again, this is a very from a lot of us could quote this 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 scripture. This is from Malachi chapter three. God gives the children of Israel a challenge. He says, "Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me." But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Now I want you to listen to this. Test me on this, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessings that there will be not room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, said the Lord God Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord God Almighty. What, what's, what's God saying here? Test me. Put me to the test. See if I don't bless you. I can say in my personal life, and I've got room to grow in this, and, and, and I, I pray, I have prayed all week that I do grow in this. But I can tell you in my personal life, I have tried to give sacrificially at times, and I can't do it. Because whatever I give, somehow God gives it back to me in much greater abundance. I heard a long time ago, and I think it's a true statement. We can't outgive God because God has a bigger shovel. The thing that I would ask you to think about as you're, as you're thinking about generous living, there are so many, I will tell you, putting this together, there's an abundance of scripture in this. The, 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 the problem is not finding enough scriptures to talk about this because God talks about it throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. The, the, the advantages to us in this generous living. I would ask you this week with your family to pray about this and talk about it. What would happen in our family if we did put God to the test? What would happen if we threw open the floodgates and practiced this, this level five generous living?
I believe because God promises us that we'll be blessed in doing that. If we can have, if we can help you in any way, we're going to have an invitation. If we can help you in any way, there will be some some folks in the front um, to, to to come down and 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 talk to about this as we stand and sing.